You're listening to Hey guys, welcome to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you're doing well. Welcome to the last episode of season three. We made it. We have arrived. I've arrived. Uh, It has been one crazy season slash chapter of my life. And so thank you all for your patience and encouragement as we have finally gotten to the last episode of season three. I'm really excited for this one because we have a guest who I, I think is absolutely fantastic and a topic that is so close to my heart. And you guys probably read it and know what it is. But uh, this week's guest is Anna Akana, and Anna is a writer and an actor. Uh, I became a fan of Anna's years ago when she was making all of her stuff on YouTube and uh, doing her sketches, and I just fell in love with Anna's humor, her authenticity, her boldness, uh, saying exactly what she thinks and how she thinks about it, and just watching her evolve. It's been so great. She's a badass Asian-American creative, which is also double meaningful for me and inspiring for me. Uh, It's just been really cool to see your career, get to know her and uh, see it up close and personal and then to have her on the show now because I've wanted to have her as a guest for so long. So it's great. Finally, making all these dreams come to fruition. That's like the theme of this year. So this week, uh, our topic, we're here to talk about healing and we're here to talk about how Anna puts it, falling in love with herself, falling in love with yourself. And if you've been following along on the show, you know, definitely a common thread and common topic of how to deal with a lot of our inner voices and a lot of the wounds that have accumulated over the years that we're discovering and truly starting to understand maybe wherever you're at on your journey definitely have been going on mine. And you guys have been so wonderful, like listening in on that for so many episodes. So it's really great to kind of pull that all together, to integrate it and to hear it from Anna's perspective. And she's so, you know, open about her journey and her thoughts and like how she applies it to her life. So it's another fresh take on stuff that we love to hear and talk about, at least I do. So I hope that you guys are excited to tune in and laugh and uh, hear some funny stories and hopefully just have a good takeaway Well, we take a little break between season three before season four kicks off in a bit and uh, have something positive to sit with you during that time. So, yeah, without further ado, here's our episode on healing and falling in love with yourself with Anna Kana. Came in 88 with a dream of so bright eyed. They knew right away, sink or swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting the teeth on the move. Nobody's Welcome to First shoes. of All, Anna. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is a long time coming, actually, because you're definitely on my initial wish list of folks I wanted to have on the show and just like sit and chill and talk with. Oh my god well thank you i appreciate that yeah honors all mine how how's how's pandemic been for you i know like we're technically in it still so i, I have to ask i mean it's it's a mixed bag you know what i mean like yeah i had some some friends pass away oh, so and, you know physically and then some just emotionally no mm-hmm. longer here um mm-hmm. but i also like got a lot done i found like I fell in love with myself again. So that was beautiful. Ugh. I mean, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. I feel like for all of us, we're going to have like crazy PTSD from it, but there's <laughs> good yeah, and bad. For sure. 
What about you? Same. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't, I was fortunate enough not to lose too many people. I did lose a few friends and it was, it was a very big like wake up call of just the fragility of life. I think everybody had that completely existential, what, like two solid years of like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to come out of this. And, um, so that whole like recognition was, it was a roller coaster, but otherwise it was such a up and down thing. I had a lot of great wins. Like, I don't know if I like fell in love with myself and I love how you put that. Let's get into that. Um, but I learned how to appreciate myself more and I think forgive myself a little bit more, which I think is huge for someone as hard on myself as I am. So that's a really big plus and a win I will like treasure from all of this mess. Oh my for God, sure. Yeah. Love to hear it. Yeah. Well, okay. So I have to say, I've just been a fan of your content for years and years now. How long, how long have you been making content? Like what's the, can you share some 13 years? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm it make it feels insane to think I've been alive for that long. <laughs> <laughs> Relatable. How can I just like it? Can we do like a I I think I've been watching your stuff maybe for like a good like 10 years now. I think I really joined the big YouTube craze. I'd say 2011 or 12. I wasn't so early into it. Um what what where was your origin story with all of that? Like what was the impetus to like start making content? Well, I was doing stand-up comedy, like, mm-hmm. I started when I was 19, and I was making YouTube, like, sketch stuff in conjunction with it. Um, I dated, like, someone who was number one on YouTube at the time, and he was always encouraging me to, like, use the platform. I, I was much more of a live person, so I, I liked doing improv. I liked doing um, stand-up, any kind of, like, live performance that had an audience I really enjoyed. But, you know, I did, I did sketch as well. And uh, eventually, I, I mean, part of it was, was dating him, but part of it was also I had a couple of videos go viral back in like the Upworthy days and did a collaboration with Wong Fu. And, and I just kind of like fell in love with the medium of film and being able to tell jokes through, through film, but also like have a, a heart, heartfelt message. Mm-hmm. Um, my impetus where it was really just like, I was in my 20s. I was full of hope and optimism and energy and passion. And I just wanted to try everything. Amazing. And you did try everything. I think that's a distinct distinguishing thing that I see among so many creators that like I have the privilege and fortune to be around so many creative people is that there is a big thing of having ideas. Everyone has ideas. I think everybody has a creative element to them, to their soul. And then there's a difference of people who just like actually execute. And mm-hmm. there's a mix of like, bravery and enthusiasm and delusion and like all of the above, right? Like to just go do it. Cause I get paralyzed so often and so consistently. That's something I'm really trying to break through right now, but it's just, I, I have such admiration for that. Like you just go do it. Yeah, girl, you got to. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of people don't, that's like, that's a crazy thing. So when I see people do it and they do it well, you're just like, damn. Go well is I think everyone's really afraid to look bad or look cringy or embarrassed, and I I guess I never had that. Like even with stand up, I never was afraid of being bad Mm. because I was like, well, being bad is a part of being good. Like I can't get good unless I like bad for a set amount of time. Um, And so I always encourage people like get over it, like embrace being bad, like 
there's, I think this, this very famous example going around on TikTok where everyone's like, what if I told you you were 50 rejections away from making a million dollars? Like you would be so excited with every rejection that you received and you'd be trying to get that rejection as quickly as possible. And I think it's the same thing with any, any dream that you have, like there's going to be a certain amount of rejection or quote unquote failure. And if you just embrace that as like the precursor to success or to getting your dream, then you'll, you'll be excited about it. Absolutely. And I, I actually recently did see that TikTok and I, it kind of blew my mind. It's so simple, yeah. yeah. but it's just a reframing that was like, yeah, uh, yes. And you know, there's no way to argue that. Like, and, that, and you can, at least I think a lot of us, well, I'm, I'm in my thirties. And so I have like a lot of different milestones, but like different examples in my life to mm-hmm. reference now where I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that, that was one of the worst moments ever. And it was the thing that was like, yay, four steps or like 10 steps before that thing happened. And if that thing hadn't happened, who knows if that good thing would have happened. And you have enough dots to connect, I think. Yeah. Um, so I try to cling to that. <laughs> Is there something that like comes to mind? I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. I'm just curious if there's like a specific example that you think of when you think of that. It's it's the most innocuous things. So and you and I got to meet. I met you through the collaboration world because I was so like deeply involved in the Asian American community with like doing showcases and like conferences and all that stuff, which was so cool because I've had like this creative, you know, I'm I've been an actor since I was five, or like I've been acting since I was five and wanting to be in like film and TV and do all that since I was a really little kid. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of my life, I was like I'm a natural producer, so I was doing that even since, like, high school, organizing, homecoming, all that stuff. So it was natural for me to, like, organize events for creatives to gather while I was, like, on the sidelines wanting to be in the fray and be like, I want to perform. I want to do all these things. And it's these, like, random moments where I was, like, hosting. It's seemingly, like, small to the outside audience, right? When I was, like, hosting, like, it meant so much to me to have – prominent figures in the community and people that are notable like yourself or like, you know, Daniel Day Kim and like all these awesome people that everybody looks to and admires and knows them and respects their work for me to be like introducing them. There are times where like, it was just like a little flub that I made hosting. And like, I introduced somebody wrong one time. Like, I think I said, I think I read from the wrong bio or something like that. Like, you know, I I introduce a lot of different people, but it's moments like that. And that's very ironic to me because it's so small in like the grand scheme of like all the things I have and have not done Mm -hmm. that like I crumbled inside. I felt so embarrassed because I had like taken this moment that is kind of rare where I have the mic and I'm the center of attention before I introduce all these other people that I really like and respect. And I want to make sure that we're shining a proper light on them. Yeah. I like said the wrong bio. It wasn't that big of a deal. I don't remember what year it was, but I just remember that like stuck in my head of evidence of my own inadequacies. And I was just like, I... I don't know what I was thinking. Like you had it written down on paper and you couldn't even get that right kind of thing, you know? And and there's other bigger things that I I excelled at and did great. You know, I made a whole freaking conference year after year, but like saying the wrong bio thing because I misread a paper was like the thing that I harpooned myself with. And it was just like, oh, you, you're ridiculous. Like what, what do you, why do you think you can like belong in this arena with these people? You can't even read off a paper. Stuff like Damn. that. Girl, your your inner critic was fucking having a field day. Oh my god, yes. 
Absolutely. She yeah. she she's savage. She was working <laughs> overtime. God damn. Yeah. And that's that's like a lot of my life, which which is why we're here to talk about. I want to talk about falling in love with yourself. I just love the way you phrased it. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been on this big journey. Well, I, I think like sometimes your life falling apart can be the biggest blessing in mm-hmm. disguise because I confronted my worst fears this year where everyone I loved left me. And I was like, oh, that's my biggest fear is that like everyone leaves or dies and you're all alone. And I confronted that fear and I was like, I'm okay. I'm still here. Wow. You know, this is not as devastating as one would think because um, I'd hyped it up in my head for so long. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just went through this really big, crazy personal life being set on fire. This is fine dog meme moment. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like this is, I can't keep living my life being so afraid that people are going to leave that I subconsciously manifest that. I push them away. I maybe take them for granted. I, if that's my belief deep down that everyone leaves me, like, of course, eventually everyone's going to leave me because everything I do is operating from, uh, from making that happen. Um, and I just kind of realized, I was like, what is that about? And I just realized like, oh, I don't love myself. So like anytime mm-hmm. anyone loves me, I don't believe them. And mm-hmm. why would I? Because I don't, I don't love myself. I don't like myself. And so I've been doing a lot of what's called self-concept work, which is basically restructuring the foundations of, of your personality and who you are and the beliefs yeah. that you have in the world. Because 95% of our actions when we're awake are operating from the subconscious mind. Only 5% of what we do is ever conscious. The rest of it is ingrained beliefs from our, our childhood and our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, what beliefs work for me? What beliefs don't? And I really realized like, okay, Career, money, easiest thing in the world for me to deal with because my parents raised me that way. So I have very deep subconscious beliefs that success comes naturally to me. Money is the easiest thing in the world for me to attract. There's enough of it. And, you know, I always have the right amount of it or I can always make more. And I was like, that's evident in my life. Like my career is great. I have a wonderful home. I have a a flourishing, you know, professional life. But personally and romantically, it's been fraught with stuff. So that is where I was like, okay, I have a bunch of subconscious beliefs in there that mm. I really got to undo. And most of that was stemming from the way I viewed myself as a friend, as a partner, as a human being, you know, just truly like had no self-worth. And so cultivating a self-concept of I am worthy. I am deserving of, of massive amounts of love. Um, I'm always surrounded by love and respect and I allow myself to receive that, like working on that through affirmational mirror work, um, self-hypnosis, you know, just subliminal messaging stuff to really reprogram my subconscious beliefs to, to shift in that direction has been already life changing. And I've only been doing it um, for a few months. And so it's it's great because you know, it's working when like before, every time I would catch my reflection in the mirror, like my first thought would be like, ew, or like, Mm-hmm. criticizing an aspect of myself or mm-hmm. being like, God, I like wish I was prettier or something. And I, because I've been doing the repetition over and over and over and over and over again, like now I, the other day I like looked in the mirror and I was like, wow, I'm beautiful. And I was like, Oh my God, that's good before. Um, or like I was, you know, spiraling out about something and my mind was like, no, you're okay. Like you're so like, everyone loves you. It's fine. You're a good person mm-hmm. and you deserve good things to happen to you. And mm-hmm. so you really start to feel it working. And then it's like starting to reflect in my outer world as well. Like the way I feel about myself is the way that everyone else feels about me to some extent. Um, everyone is you pushed out. But yep. it's been it's been really great. Like I can I can actually say like I am in the process of falling in love with myself and and it's beautiful. I love that. I love it. You you said so many 
first of all, congrats. And I'm so happy for you. And that makes me like bubble with joy. And I relate to a lot of what you said, because I think the last three years especially have been just totally not drowning. That's not the right word. Just like really saturated in all of those things. It was prompted for me with a really bad breakup. Um, And I think it was just a a sequence of events. It's like not just the breakup. It's everything that preceded that, right? That, uh, That culminated in that moment to like kind of break everything. It cracked me open. And it's the exact same things of like, what, how did I get here? Why am I like this? Why am I, I I caught myself in repetitive behaviors where I was like really doing things to harm myself and not necessarily like in a physical way, but like Mm -hmm. things that I'm doing, behaviors that I'm doing that are not making my life any better. If anything, it's doing the exact opposite. It's affirming exactly what you said, which is like, I had to excavate what's this thing that I'm like perpetuating right now. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing I relate to so much is just that belief that like, I'm not worth loving or I'm too, a lot of it for me was like, I'm too much. Like I'm so intense. I'm so dramatic. I have so much baggage. I've been through a lot of like really intense things in my life that like part of my conscious brain is like, no, this is like, you went through all of these things to make you a compassionate, empathetic person. You feel pain with other people because you know what it's like to hurt. You know what it's like to feel hopeless and lost and like done and that's a gift when you like can be that person. But then I would villainize that. I would like flip it. And the deep down subconscious belief was like, there's no way somebody can like accept all of this. Like they're just yeah. gonna run away. And like, it was just so, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And so like my heart goes out to you that you had that moment. But I also agree with you that it can be the most liberating thing too. Cause it's just like, hey, it's usually really ever not, it's never not as bad as you thought it would be. It's like the idea itself is so terrible. And then when you actually encounter it, you're like, oh, I mean, this sucks, but it's not as earth shattering as I feared it would be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so interesting too how we can like hype up something in our mind to be mm-hmm. so like my friend um, was raised by a single mother and her mother just passed away this last month. And we, we oh. were talking about it and she was like, is it weird that like, it doesn't hurt as much as I thought it would. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, first of all, you're in shock. It just happened. Second of all, she's your whole world. And like, I've known her for years and years and she would always talk about her worst fear is her mom dying. Like she would be anxious and tortured and suffer. Like just the idea of her mother dying, she would often think about because they were each other's best friends. That was all she had. And I was like, you've been hyping this event up in your mind for years. And so you've also like, not that she like worked out some of that grief in advance because that's, that's not it. But I I do think for a lot of us, like the fear that we implant in ourselves is very often worse than the actual suffering of the event, especially if it's something that we we believe is going to devastate us. So we're like pleasantly surprised when we're still here. (laughs) You're like, Oh, what? I've, I've actually like, kind of reveled in I was like it's relief I guess maybe not like I'm not celebrating it but I'm also just like oh like I survived it or that didn't kill yeah. me you know yeah. <sighs> it is it, the mind is like it is such it is it is the thing it's again it's like the it's your biggest villain it's the biggest block and limit in life is your own self and I love that you've gone so deep into that because I think that's such a frightening thing or maybe like not even frightening Sometimes for me, it's like a matter of laziness. Like I can understand 
yeah, battling myself is going to be a shit ton of work. And I just don't have the wherewithal to do it. <laughs> I'm tired. I don't want to like get someone else to do it for me, really? which is when hypnosis really helps. Like I was like, okay, hypnotize me. Yes. Whatever. I mean, it's cr- I remember I was doing hypnosis way back in my 20s and everyone was making fun of me about it. And so I kind of stopped. But it's wild because now they've been able to prove scientifically it's the best way to rewrite your subconscious mind and like get in there. And like what we were from ages zero to seven was basically a state of like hypnosis, given how our brainwaves weren't really developed yet. And so I'm always like, damn, I really should have kept that up. Like I could be so far if I had two years of hypnosis under my belt. <laughs> damn this thinking of like caring about what other people think of me i know know. such a setback big mistake (laughs) it is it honestly is such a but that that that's one of my i guess i'm kind of one of those obnoxiously optimistic people i try to find always like silver lining and okay this is why this happened and i i do find a lot of connecting dots of like there's a reason for everything i'm a firm believer that just because i don't know what it is now doesn't mean it doesn't exist i think it's very arrogant to think like, oh, in this moment, I am all knowing of the purpose and meaning and <laughs> connecti- all the connective tissue of why chaos and order exists. I don't know. But no. I think like that, that regret of like, oh, I could have been so much further along if yeah. I had listened to my gut or if I didn't care so much about what other people think, et cetera. All true. And like, but that's also the lesson. I'm like, yeah. I lost 10 years of my life because I gave a shit about what these people think. Like, yeah, really? And we all learn it when we learn it, you know? Sometimes, and I'm sometimes I learn the same lesson again and again and again. Oh, like, yes. when, will I, when will I understand this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a lifelong lesson. Do you have one that you're willing to share, actually? Like, is there something that, like, you just kept getting smacked oh. in the face a bit over and over again? Yeah, dude, like... Uh, emotionally unavailable partners is a big mm. one that I learned mm. again, and again and again and again because I myself am emotionally unavailable and afraid of intimacy, even though I desperately crave it. Um, calling people when I'm drunk, big mistake. Big Ooh. mistake. I do it all the time. Um, I think also like reacting from a place of emotions. I'm always learning. You got to stop. You got to get regulated. Stop taking action when you're emotional. Regulate yourself and then get clarity on what to do next. But I get really, you know, I get fight or flighty in an emotional state. And then I feel like I have to fix it or I have to do something and I take this action and it's sometimes wildly inappropriate. Um, (laughs) You know, I just feel like those are the big, the big, big ones for me. And also just like not putting myself first. I think there's a lot of times where in certain friendships or in certain romantic relationships, I give my all up front. I'm like, hi, Mm. I just met you. I will die for you. I am. Mm my life. I will, I will lay on a grenade for you. And then I'm very surprised when this person doesn't reciprocate and I take it as a massive betrayal when it's yeah. like, this is something you created. This is why you do it. Why are you doing this? We've learned this lesson again and again, like trust <laughs> takes time to be earned. Like just because you decide, you know, I've chosen this person like a baby duckling imprinting on their mother. doesn't mean that person <laughs> has to do the same thing for you. Totally true. Oh my God. I actually realized if you're ever open, I, I, I don't get drunk that often. So I don't have that many examples to pull on, but I know there's one specific one because I remembered the bottle of alcohol that it was. And it was so dramatic. And I remember flailing about, this was with one of my exes. Um, I, this is why I think I stopped is maybe after this one, it was so bad. I was, I was dating a dude who 
by all means, like I, I think I still think highly of him. I think when we were dating, this is our late twenties. He was quite emotionally immature, as we all were. I attracted him. I dated this mofo. So like he had this whole like ongoing flirtation with a friend, and like he had been in love with her in high school. So there's like an ongoing friend group joke that everything he does is to make her happy, which is great for the new girlfriend to be like welcomed. And they were, it was honestly very, it was not malicious, but it was persistent and it got under my skin because I've been, you know, insecure for a vast majority of my life. And so he like would not feed into it, but he wouldn't stop it. And that bothered, bothered the crap out of me. And then me being the people pleaser that I have been for a long time and then working my way out of, um, I just, suppressed it of course for like what the 18 months that we're dating wouldn't like and then as soon as like it was some like hair trigger of like instagram right it was something really innocuous but that was like it it was a straw that broke the camel's back i went out (laughs) i went out on our like and i do i cannot handle my alcohol anna i'm like a really like insanely big lightweight I drove to Safeway because I was in the Bay Area. I drove to Safeway on the hunt for like wine. And I remember standing in the aisle, not knowing what to do because I never really bought a bottle of wine before. And again, (laughs) I'm in my later 20s. It's like there's plenty of opportunities I could have, but I didn't know wine. I chose the kangaroo wine. Okay. I was like, I don't know. The bottle was pretty. And I was like, okay, I'm doing white wine. I drank maybe like half the bottle, which to me is like maybe lethal. I don't know like what it would have taken, but I was in my parents' house. She was living at, like I was spending the weekend at my parents' house. I wasn't even like at my own place, raging drunk. Ooh. I don't remember everything I said, but I like being the Korean drum queen that I was, I like it all tumbled out because of a tiny like I can really see it from his side of like what the hell just happened where I ripped into him and I just started yelling at him, crying and like, yeah, basically just expressing the utter betrayal and like the the complete disrespect and like non-appreciation. You don't love me. I went off. And I think that might have been the end of me ever calling anybody drunk again. I mean, honestly, I'm glad that you only had to learn that lesson once because I learn it constantly. Um, well, at least you have alcohol to like referred to i've done that sober so that the, the bad part is i've done i've done that again i've n- made that mistake and learned that lesson quote unquote but sober so i don't know if that's worse to be fair to you that's pretty disrespectful like you got to cut that out when you're in a relationship you know what i mean that's yeah just, that you were being you were disrespected a ton and so i think i think you are actually valid in this um thank maybe you, you know thank you. wasn't smart to drive to safeway and buy kangaroo wine and then yeah. At once, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel I'm trying to remember my drunk. Oh, there's this one guy I just dated, and uh, he was like breadcrumbing me and like I think doing a slow fade thing, but was like, I'm depressed, I'm just so depressed. Mm. And so I was at this, I was at this bar, like we both live like two minutes away from each other, and there's this bar that we both go to, and I was there, and he came back from tour, and he was being really weird because I was like, oh my God, you're here. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, you're not even going to like give me like a kiss or anything. Like this is lame. I was like, you're being lame. So I left. I was super drunk off these beer slushies. I go nice. home and I immediately just text him like that was so lame. You're so lame. I can't believe we didn't run to each other in slow-mo in a field of daisies. I haven't <laughs> seen you in so long. Blah, blah, blah. Like just being a dramatic, like silly bitch. 
And he was like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm slushy sad right now. I'm super drunk. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And he started getting into this mode where he was basically like, what do you want from me? Like deep down, what do you want from me? Like I told you, like, I don't, it takes me a while to commit to someone, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't want to talk about this over text. I don't want to talk about this over text. And he's like, not responding to any of that. So I think it's a brilliant idea, Minji, to drive back down to the bar. Oh, no. I go up to him while he's talking to his friends and I conf- I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation over text. And all, the friend's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go turn over here and <laughs> conversation. And it just became a whole thing. I was so mad. He was clearly mad, even though he said he wasn't. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like, just go home and do your skincare and tuck yourself into bed, girl. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Um, so now whenever I drink, I try to be very, I try to have like two. And if I, my rule now, every time I'm drunk, I say, you're not allowed to talk to anyone. You don't text, you don't call, you throw your phone across the room, stay away from it. Good for you. Good for you. That's amazing. I mean, that takes so much regulation because again, you are in an altered state. You're not in your like, there's, that's why this isn't, it's a substance to like have warning labels about and why we're not, you know, because you're, you're not of a coat. Like that, that's some, that's okay. And actually, actually it just, I hit me like a truck. I actually did that. The kangaroo wine was not the last time I did it. I take it back. I did it to the next boyfriend too. So yeah, lesson was, was, uh, the mistake was repeated. The lesson was partially, I guess, but not really learned. I mean, it's um, a because like the moment you get drunk enough, you don't remember that lesson. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Or all the feelings that you have take over. It's like, even if you le- know the lesson, I don't yeah. give a shit. Like, <laughs> I don't care about that lesson. This is yeah. <laughs> That lesson can go like, I don't give, like what? No, my feelings are yeah. everything. This they must are queen. Be said and it must be said now. <laughs> exactly. Carpe feelings. Um, yeah, those are those are not the proudest moments, but repeated lessons. And that's why I say, like, the word that you use that really stuck out is like the dysregulation. Like, I actually I've talked a lot about the the, the self-help and like development process on this podcast. And like one of the one of the pandemic uh, channels I got really deep into was I think this woman, I think her channel is called like your childhood trauma fairy. And she's wonderful. I don't even think she's a licensed therapist. She's just someone who went deep into the self-help universe, like in a really great way, very practical way, and Mm. uses all this terminology that just to me was so immediately accessible. It didn't sound like ultra academic, even though it's like dysregulation. But for some reason, that technical term made it, it made me feel less like shameful about the fact that like, it's not like, oh, you're having a meltdown or you are spiral not no spiraling I'm actually okay with but like it's like you're having a meltdown or you're like freaking out or like coming up with terms that kind of villainize the person going through this chaos it was like no you're just emotionally dysregulated it's kind of making this like third party objective thing that the state that you're in you're emotionally dysregulated absolutely oh I, I like honestly like so I was reading, I think it was like a Tony Robbins book or something where they said the greatest skill you can ever cultivate in life is to control your thoughts and feelings. Oh my God. And I was like, oh yeah, my thoughts and feelings run my fucking life. I'm at the mercy of like, I feel like I'm a dog walker with 25 dogs and I'm just being pulled in whatever direction <laughs> they all collectively go. I was like, I do need to, I'm 33 years old. It's about time I figure that out. Um, 
it's just, but it's crazy. We're not taught that at all. And then when you start getting into therapy, it's about honoring your feelings, acknowledging your feelings, feeling your feelings. So we have to go through this whole rigmarole of like awareness and processing before you're like, mm-hmm. okay, but now I really got to get a hold of it. Like, I can't let this like run my life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think then when you, even when you are learning these frameworks and these strategies, which I think are really helpful, it did then, I, it would like, I would reach a different wall in my mind because mm-hmm. it made me realize my other, like it continuously was like, I'm discovering what my true beliefs are. Mm. There's a, there's a thing where I like, I know what it's like when you're, you're in a, you're in a pitch meeting, you're in an office meeting, you know what to say. Does it mm. mean, is that what you really think and feel like half the time? No, maybe more than that. You're like, oh yeah, I think that's a wonderful idea. Let's say inside you're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? So like, there's the again, conscious side of like, you, you, you may or may not, if you know, however emotionally or socially smart or intelligent you've been trained to be, you can know like this is the socially acceptable thing or this is the right way to think about X, Y, or Z. And then mm-hmm. there's like, that's what I was realizing doing my therapy of like what I, if I was being truthful in this like safe space with a therapist, it would eventually, if I rant long enough, <laughs> get to like what I actually believe. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really humbling for me because A, it was just revealing I'm not as good of a person as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a, that was a many flavors of pill to swallow. And I'm learning how to accept that and not, again, like reparenting myself. But one of the core things that stuck out for me, and I'm really curious about um, your background, because I'm not that familiar with like how you grew up and um, like culturally, but I am Korean American. My parents are immigrants. My dad's really, really military, really, really conservative Christian, really, really into the tough love. He is very traumatized child. To me, my dad's a large traumatized child and I love him but he's a large traumatized child. Yeah. And he would be really, this is where a lot of my inner critic comes is directly as a result of like how I was raised. But then I think I also put that tough love on a pedestal because there's parts of me that I'm like really proud of that mm-hmm. I am somebody that is is compassionate, kind, all these things. I have a good heart and I have prided myself that I'm tough you know, uh, that I can like weather through stuff, that I have resilience. And I would equate that in my head of this like tough love thing. So when it comes out of like, just get over it, like deal with it, suck it up. Like that doesn't, when it's that voice, it's not particularly gentle or kind or compassionate. It's like, when you stop crying, like just deal, like you're gonna, you're not dying, like get over it. It's not this like kind tone, but I had this belief of like, sometimes that tactic or that like approach works or like there's value or merit in being tough. And I've admired that in other people. And I'm questioning that all now as an adult, but that's something that I encountered was like, oh, this is really a influenced by my dad. And I've been such like daddy issues to the high heavens. Yeah. Do what are my actual beliefs about that? Do I really think that being kind and compassionate and gentle is like really the best way to deal with everything? At that time, and I'm still kind of questioning, is like, no, sometimes you got to be able to put your feelings aside and just deal and yeah. like work through it. So that's something that I'm currently kind of like working through because I, I don't know what the conclusion is on that. Jury's out. Well, it I'm, seems like, and it's a hard balance, right? Like the messages of what we're supposed to do are are so 
confusing. I mean, I, I'm, I agree. I, I'm sort of like you, but instead of like actively telling myself, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, because my dad was military as well. So like mm. the idea of that is, is very ingrained, I think, in us coming from disciplined households. Yeah. But my whole thing is always like emotional disassociation. Like yeah. I will emotionally disassociate from my feelings in order to get done what needs to be done to the point that I'm so good at it that I don't notice it anymore. And that's also mm-hmm. why like getting drunk is interesting because I'll be like, oh, I'm actually deeply, deeply upset about all of this stuff that I've just been able to detach myself from in order to continue surviving or like getting through my work or getting through my day. Um, and so I'm trying, but I also was like, that really serves me. So I'm, I'm sure there's parts of you where it's like this coping mechanism is maybe not the healthiest when it's in an extreme, but it probably serves you so well. You know, it's a, it, it's a coping mechanism and a survival mechanism for a reason because it, it's helped you in a right. lot of ways. And so I, it's, it's always interesting to me too about like what skills we have that we're working on having a healthier relationship to, because I'm sure if you completely eradicated that from your personality, it'd be, you'd be like way more go with the flow, but would probably get nothing done, which isn't going to serve the ambitions that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's too strict, then you may be like suffering from perfectionism. So I don't know. I think life is just annoying in terms of how <laughs> in moderation we have to be all the time. And like, yeah, aware. I was like, God, I'm tired of that. <laughs> Well said. Well, I just have to applaud that. That it, it is all of those things. It is that, and that's what I've I've been. I don't know what the right word is like. Not preaching. I just like I've I've been I've been in ter- in terms of like battling my own like people pleasing tendencies. I'm working on just saying what I really think out loud mm-hmm. and not putting on the farce and not putting on some song and dance. Like I'm so like I'm so careful with it. I want to be careful. I don't want to ever consciously hurt anybody with what I say and I've actually been getting yeah. more feedback from friends that are like yeah your tone uh it sometimes hurts and I was like oh well, and in my head I'm like I've been really like not- if you heard what I actually think <laughs> that's a nice okay okay noted and I'll take the feedback but I'm really working on being ugh, I hate how the word is like authentic I don't I don't like feeling like a hypocrite I don't want to feel like I'm putting on a show and saying something. And so I do some of that inner work to be like, okay, what is it that you really think about the situation? Even if there's parts of it that you don't like, what's the thing that you really care about and want to put out into the world? So I do like have that filter, if you will. Yeah. But I don't want it to compromise. Like I'm coming off fake and phony. Cause I, that doesn't serve anybody. But like I said, it's very easy for all those things to be very jumbled up and obnoxious because it's so much labor on the inside. Like you're just having to go through so many inner filters of like you're asking so many questions for a single freaking word or thought comes out or you're like building a relationship or not. Or like learning to say no for me. That's like a big deal to be able to say no, no, thank you. Or I don't want to do that. That's a huge mountain that I've been climbing lately. It's just saying the word no and being okay with it. You know, I'm going to give you some unsolicited advice on that, Midji. Please do. As the person who has never had problems saying no and like, I've been, I've had the brunt of people not setting their boundaries with me and then getting angry later on and exploding because of stuff that they've said yes to that they didn't want to. So then they, they then resent me. I always view a boundary or someone saying no as a gift. I'm like, mm. okay, 
love me and respect me enough to be honest with me about where you're at, what you can give me, what you want to do. Like, I always want to know I can trust the people in my life to put themselves first and to be honest with me about what they actually want. And I think there's a, a way to set a loving boundary, right? Like there's a way to be like, hey, I would love to do this for you. I'm feeling really overextended. I can't right now. And I'll be like, great. Or like, hey, I know that I committed to this thing. I'm so sorry. Like, my life is too crazy. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, great. Thank you for letting me know. Like, thanks yeah. for being honest with me. Honoring yourself is honoring the people in your life. Like, it's we set boundaries to keep people in, not to push people out. I love that framing. Thank you. Yeah. I don't feel like that was the unsolicited advice. That was like, you liberated me. In a way. So <laughs> I, I need to get reminders of that because I, I feel that same way towards other people. You know, when they're, when they're upfront about stuff, I, I feel like, thank you for that information. Now I can operate with, you know, exercise. And I've been so, this goes to the, the childhood stuff of like growing up in a really tense household with mm. a lot of fighting and a lot of hurt and pain and a lot of and we had a lot of joy and a lot of craziness and awesomeness too and it had a lot of tension and it had a lot of like spouts of like like random it's like my dad my dad's temper was always just like we don't know what it's going to be on a minute to minute basis and so having to navigate that and then being more aware of that doing the inner child stuff that I was doing in the therapy and the hypnosis that was like life-changing that has made it at least on like an intellectual level, more understandable to me why I am the way that I am. And that helped me start being more like, okay, you can say no, it's okay. And to like start the whole process of reparenting that part, because my whole life, my identity, at least as a young person was always to try to smooth things out, make everybody feel better. Even if it's to like, I don't know, like you can look at it like lie or like just placate. It's always to like, make the, make the bad thing go away. That's my job. That's the role that I played really, really well. And so I did not ever want to be the one to tell somebody no or crush their hopes or dreams or whatever. Like it was just too much. And so I, I I played my role and I did it well. And like that stuck for a really long time. And then, but from the other side, as an adult, I can totally see why I was like, why did you say yes to that? You didn't, you didn't need to accommodate those people, you know? It's hard. We're like taught from a very young age that to deny people is rude. And it's um it's an unloving, societally un- unacceptable thing to do. Right. Like even the idea of like I've I've been watching um this girl on YouTube named The Wizard Liz. She's Ooh. really fascinating. I really like her. She's very self-possessed, but one of her videos is called Becoming Selfish is the Best Thing I Ever Did. Mm. And uh, Oprah talks about this as well, where it's like you have to fill your cup. You have to overflow your cup so that you have something to give to someone else. And I remember like Oprah in particular said this thing that blew my mind. She was like, when people say you're so full of yourself, Oprah says, I say, thank you because Mm -hmm. I am, I'm full of love for myself. I keep my cup full. I'm responsible for keeping my cup full. And if I don't, then I can't give to others. And I think it's such a beautiful reframe of self, quote unquote, selfishness, because it's, women in this American Western society are taught that our main function is utilization. How am I being useful to others? What am I sacrificing for others? How do I abandon myself so that I can be there for others? It's so ingrained in us and it's so expected of us. And people feel entitled to our, our time, our attention, our energy, our efforts. And if you, if you give that to yourself, it's almost considered a betrayal to the rest of society. It's yeah. like that. Um, it makes me have that art, 
uh, fuck, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's like a Greek statue and it's called beauty. And then you add a mirror into her hand. So she's admiring herself and it's called narcissism. And they were like, Ooh. why is everyone else allowed to admire her beauty? But when she does it, she's, she's bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah. So I've, I've been also really working on reframing selfishness and reframing, like putting myself first is the, uh, the most loving thing that I can do for anyone else. Um, which is hard because it goes against everything that we've been taught. <laughs> Seriously. It's like the main program is to mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. be, a, be of use and value. I do go on the, I've gotten many arguments even recently with some close people in my life about people that I, like, and guys in my life that I really, really love and respect and value, but like in some areas that now that we're becoming more frank with each other. And like, I have, I was like, if you don't like me, then that's, Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. So then that leads to me being a little bit more candid of like, okay, I think that statement that you made or these things that you have said in the past, even like I'm not trying to bash you over the head for it now, but they bothered me. And not being so not having that rock my boat so much to say out loud, like it was it was harmful. Like even my brother, who's like one of my best friends, to like tell him, like, yeah, you you like making fun of my period and stuff growing up. That that's not a good thing. That's something I hope you don't ever teach your children. And if you ever do that, like if I have kids and like, that's not a repeatable behavior. I, I didn't like what you did there. And I don't think it, it added to the edification of my confidence. It just added to the shame that I always felt. And so many women have felt about their bodies and about a natural function of like having a freaking period. And it sucks. Cause again, I love my brother and it was not fun for me to like, call him out because I, I don't want to hurt his feelings on purpose ever but that's yeah. like the truth of it I was like that hurt and that messed with my head for a long time it was, you're one of the most influential people in my life and you telling me that I can't talk about my period because we're about to eat dinner and it's disgusting like which is such a like big brother of you know millennial generation to say mm-hmm. I was like that I'm sure added to my reasons of why I me being a woman and me having bodily functions is shameful like I'm not okay with it. Don't ever, I don't want you to talk like that around our nieces, nephews. Don't talk about, you know, and yeah. we had to have that conversation, but I'm like, okay, let's have it. Let's talk about it. There go. He was really receptive. My brother's like, we've been through so much together. And it's again, that idea of like, if I were to be honest about my feelings that it would like destroy our relationship, you know, is that fear? Like, I think that's really the underlying fear of like, I can't say these words out loud because if I were to be truly honest, it would like our relationship would not survive. And that's just very, I mean, that's pinnacle fear driven (laughs) mentality, right? Yeah. And it's just this like hyper dramatic, I don't know, mindset like that would make me not be truthful about what I think. And I was like, I I can't do that to her. I don't want to, hey, I don't want to hurt his feelings. And that was such a big driving. I don't want to hurt their feelings because when I get my feelings hurt, it's just because I'm a cancer. I mean, God, I don't know. It really might be. I like, it wounds me to, again, like I told you, like I, I messed up on one intro of a host and I was like, oh my God, I totally like disrespected <laughs> so-and-so by messing up their bio. I'm the worst person. And like that feeling will just like, leave its imprint on me. And I don't ever want to do that to somebody else. So I will rather me suffer in this very like Asian or whatever you want to call it. It's like, I will, I will, I will deal with the suffering of this oh <laughs> and to, to withhold it from you. So you don't have to feel the hurt. 
And like, it's just, it's absolutely, I mean, it's when in hindsight, it's just all ridiculous. But I think those are a lot of the underlying things, the fears, the rationalizing that I did of saying, okay, it's better for me to withhold, like bite my tongue. And I do think there's scenarios where like, yeah, where you're overly emotional. It's good to bite your tongue and just wait a second until you're like calmer and don't like just scream out what you think every moment. But like, I was just, my brother and I are, we have a, such a solid friendship and siblingship and like, we would be fine. And I've been learning that by having these honest conversations with him. But like, if I never was honest, we wouldn't have, you can't like, that's how trust is built though, right? The irony, like you have to be real in order to have a true bond and connection. Cause otherwise it's just like niceties and politeness and <laughs> I don't know, just like yeah. skirting around each other all the time. And I feel like, you know, conflict is just a natural part of being a human being. Like you're going yeah. to have conflict no matter what. Like, and it can bring you closer together. Like I'm always someone who doesn't, and I think it's because my sister died when I was so young. I don't, I try my best not to hold resentments. So I always try to like air my shit out with people if I feel like I'm going to resent this person for this. Because I, I do know like at any moment like, they could die, I could die. And mm-hmm. I don't want them to hang in the air, you know? Um, and so I, I always think too, like the amount we keep in, because we're so afraid of rocking the boat, but it's like, if this is someone who loves you, they should be able to hold space for you to do that. And same, like, you know, it's not nice. It's, it doesn't feel great when people come to me and they're like, hey, you did this thing and it really fucking upset me. I'm like, yeah. ooh, wow, I feel defensive about this. But, you know, once I, you can calm down from that, you're like, okay, they're telling me this because they want to give me the chance to fix it. They want me to know so I don't do it again. And, like, yeah. I, if I didn't know this, then I could never have fixed it. So, ultimately, it is a good thing. And I think it's wonderful that instead of biting your tongue and continuing to go through the status quo with your brother that you brought up, like, this is wildly inappropriate. Like the fact that you did this hurt me. And it also, he's like shaming you about a very natural part of, of, of our bodies. And the whole reason he's even here, like he wouldn't yep. be here. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like there are all these tests now that they do at places where they put the uh, electrodes on men's stomachs so they can feel what it's like. Oh, to have- I love those. I love them. So all the men are like, wait, yeah. yeah how long is this? Wait, you deal with this all day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And like turn the dial up. That's like on a right that's all like on a light day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause it's so, like there's like the PMS one and then there's the actual labor one, which is sometimes <laughs> for some women like the same. Uh, you know, there's such a range of like pain and tolerance. Oh my God, I love those tests so much. I'm like, here you go. go I do for it. Too. I'm always like, yeah, enjoy that. Have fun with that. And I think that's like, for me, it's been very eye-opening to see how those conversations and like tests and God bless technology. Thank the electro that does that. But oh, that's yeah. the that's the true path to empathy because mind you, I, for, for context, this is stuff that he said to me as like a teenager, right? When he's like a douchebag teenager. And, but like, I also would love if I have children that they're not douchebag. I don't want to expect that they're just going to be assholes just because they're a teenager. I don't feel like those have to equate. Either, either case, like I've been holding on to that resentment for decades, you know, and being able to like air that out. He took it so well. Like he's a grown, he, he loves me so much and like has done and said so many things as have I, as we all have as like immature idiots that never meant harm. And then like still are worth addressing. I was just really, really grateful for that because that creates such more, so much more trust between us. I was like, Hey, I'm like, I did thank him. I was like, 
you know, thank you for hearing me out. And he like sincerely apologizes. And then, so that's what my friends, like in my Korean American friends that like, we all have a lot of different issues with family that we talk about because I'm not saying it's only Korean Americans, but there's just like, there's kind of a nuance to like the way familial ties exist that are pretty pervasive mm-hmm. and consistent. Um, I'm realizing like, not that I want my life to be this beacon of example, but if it is, and I get to have this kind of experience and this kind of a healing, even though like it is a, it's an important thing to me and in our relationship for that to be healed. And I get to tell a friend and they know that relationship. I have friends that have been my friends since I was like a fourth grader. They know my relationship with my brother. They're like, that's incredible. Like they know him. And they're like, that's amazing that he was so receptive to that. And that creates hope in other, like, that's why I love hearing other people's stories because we can give each other advice and insight and like literally just give each other hope that we can grow past old habits and old ways of thinking and douchebag ways of being like, we're all growing. So I like knowing that doing that was like, not only of service to me, but genuinely, and now I'm talking about it on my podcast, that it can hopefully give evidence or like hope or something to say, Hey, it's awkward. It's weird. It's painful. And it's awesome. Like, because then you can resolve it, let it be water under the bridge and like move on. And you don't have to carry that with you forever. Oh, and, yeah. and it's like family, family is the hardest thing to do that with, because I find, you know, you often go home for the holidays and you're like, why am I fucking in shame right now? <laughs> I'm so triggered by everything that they're doing. But yeah. it's like family is the hardest place to actually have yeah. any of that growth because you just fall back into old patterns so easily. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to say, Anna, like I, through your journey and like the content that I've seen you put out in the world, like one of the things I do really admire and appreciate is like how open you are about what happened with your sister because grief and loss and like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a generational thing. It's, we're, we're evolving obviously as a society. I think there's so much more openness that our generation and younger, like we're all continuing to build to like create more safe space to talk about stuff that's been pretty like perpetually very private. Mm-hmm. And if people are ultra private about it, there's, there's, I'm not saying that you need to not be private, like be private if that that's totally your prerogative. And if you want to talk about it openly, I think that's okay too, because it's a commonly shared experience. The certainty in life is that we're all going to die as much yeah. as people try to fight against it. <laughs> um, and so I, I just really appreciate that. Cause I, I lost somebody really close to me to suicide a few years ago. Yes, and sorry. yeah, thank you. It, it was, uh, it was a lot. It was really very intense and like, uh, like a spiral for me because it was someone really, really close to me that since childhood. Um, but like, that's also why I just want to say thank you because talking about it or knowing that you're not the only person that has dealt with something is so huge. I know that might be the most cliche thing to say at this point in life, um, and in, in 2022, but I will say it till forever because just <laughs> knowing that you're not alone is a big freaking deal. It just helps. Oh so, yeah. No, I wanted absolutely. to thank you. Um, I'm so sorry to hear about your, um, your experience with suicide. It's such a uniquely awful way to lose someone. Um, yeah. but it, it can be a bless. My brother and I were talking about this the other day. Cause it was actually just my sister's, um, birthday a few days ago. Mm. And we were like, you know, it's crazy because I think 
we've been able to turn the worst thing that's ever happened to us into the best thing that's ever happened to us because now we're like, we're not afraid of death. We know that, you know, maybe we'll get to see her on the other side of everything. We can go after like our, our dreams and live our life because there is a sense of responsibility to continue living for another person and to make the most out of what you have. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, a, it's just a uniquely like weird position to be in, but I don't know. I'm very, I'm very, very grateful for what her life and her death has, has taught me. And I think it is important for us all to remember like, oh yeah, this isn't forever. Cause it's so easy to, to get in the minutia of everything and, and feel like this is forever. Yes. Everything is awful. Totally. Yeah. Because those feelings are big and like, it feels eternal when you're in it. You're just like, I'm trying to get to the next second because I this this feeling right now is so terrible. I love being able to remind, be reminded and to remind myself that like, it's the past. This is not the entirety of everything. And it helps to remember that. Oh, yeah. um, and I love that. Are you, you and your brother are like super close, right? Yeah, we are. Love. It's good People to have support. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've gone through it. You know, we've gone through our, through our things, but- we're ultimately a lot closer for it. Yeah. I think that's a really great way to put it that like her life and her death has influenced you so much. And I feel that way, not just about the friend that I lost because he was somebody really instrumental in like helping me become a braver person. And then recently I lost grandparents and like all these different markers of like different people coming, going. And even like in the same vein, like all the new people, the new lives emerging from like, my friends who I've watched be complete crazy people and now becoming these mature parents. I'm like, wow, Whoa. the circle of life really like it is really a stark reminder of like how how I say really meaningful and how not in a terrible way, but like how pointless a lot of our drama is like we're all on a floating rock. Like it's and it's, this is a very brief moment in the grand scheme of humanity. And that gives me a lot of peace lately i don't like try to lean on that too much of like oh we're just like oh i I've, I've gotten there but i try to zoom out to be like this is a blip on the grand story of life and what am i going to do with it and hopefully that leads me to become a little bit more grateful and grounded and uh brave like more courageous because i just feel like when I'm so entrenched in that moment of like, oh, this sucks and I'm worthless and there's no hope for me. And I'm just a mess of dysregulation, if you will. <laughs> like yeah. just to remind myself, like, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Oh yeah. And I feel like you're right. We're on a fucking mud ball hurtling <laughs> through space. Like what? we're fine. Like we don't need to be out here like, fighting about whatever stupid drama we do have like and to some extent I don't want to like you know uh undermine what anyone's problems are but it is it is good to get perspective and to remember big picture like what is going on absolutely when you said that the mud ball that's the best thing I've ever heard today uh (laughs) I will take that with me forever the one thing the drama that you're talking about was just like yeah about this giant drama around Ariel being black I'm just on the side of like are you guys really making this the thing like it's just making my brain melt is this the hill we're dying on this exactly exactly like and so it's just it's all perspective and 
I'm with you. And I don't, and this is never ever to minimize people's feelings or problems. To me, I, I feel like my reality checks and the reality checks I get from talking to people like you is always just good reminders of like, I want to be intentional about how I spend my time because time is so precious. And so is my energy. And the more that I'm loving myself, the more that I honor that. Um, and actually bring it full circle because you mentioned so many great practices that I've definitely dabbled in myself. Do you have one that you want to elaborate on? Like I, you talked about mirror work, you talked about subliminals and hypnosis and all that. What are like, I, I love the practical nitty gritty stuff of like, what can we take all of this, whatever, hopefully self-love and inspiration. How can we put that into action? What's your favorite way? Or like, what's the, and what's the way that like made you genuinely kind of like surprised or maybe like laugh at yourself once you did it? I mean, I really think mirror work has been powerful for me. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for everyone, it's a little different, but because I'm an actor and a writer, I think the combo of like writing custom affirmations that speak to me and then having to say them in the mirror in a way till I believe them. Like I don't walk away from the mirror till I believe what I'm saying until I feel different. Um, and that's always been, that's been fun. Like I found, oh my God, I, I love affirmations. And I found this one blog that had like, it was called bad bitch affirmations. And I Ooh. love them so much. They're so audacious. They're like, like one of my favorites is, um, my beauty could ruin lives. <laughs> There's, I am the blueprint. Not even Aphrodite can hold a candle to me. Uh, it's like Jessica Rabbit couldn't compete with my waist. There's, it's like so so fun. I love them so much. And so I do them at the end of my, my thing just to like be my own little way and be my own hype girl. But they're so, they're so great. And I was like, yeah, like why wouldn't I want to have beliefs like this? Like, and I was talking to a friend and he was like, well, don't you ever worry? Like you're going to get cocky. And I was like, no, cause then I'll just say I'm confident, never cocky. I'll just affirm that. And he was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Very See the power of the conscious mind and intentions. Like, I know, but I, I, love I, it. I just find it like I used to do it three times a day. And sometimes it would take me half an hour of like doing this fucking affirmation mirror <laughs> stuff till I could feel something. Mm. And then I'm like, Thank God, like I can walk away from it now. But um, <laughs> now I do it maybe like every morning, every night. I read like some of my favorites that are like, I'm the most powerful that I've ever been. I'm mm. always aligned with my soul's calling and I'm always uh, at the right place at the right time. I trust in this universe to like conspire in my favor. Stuff that really helps me feel at peace and let go of control and surrender to the universe. Um and it just, it sets the tone for my day. And like by repeating it over and over and over and over and over again, it's really changed the way I interact with the world. And it made me realize how unsafe I would feel like all the time, just always felt so unsafe and never quite realized it until I started doing these. Um, and I, it's just, it truly has transformed my life. I love that. That's amazing. And I love that you emphasized the feeling of it. The fact that like, you're not just kind of robotically going through mm -hmm. the motions, which I think for me as a starting point, going through the motions was really important because I definitely was not feeling it right out the gate. And there's days where I still don't. Right. Um, so going through the motions, I think serves a purpose. And like that fact that you're so persistent and that you're there until you feel it is incredible because I think that's my studies of like, I'm really big into the frequencies, things, the vibrations and understanding yeah. things from like quantum. I love all of it. I could talk to you about that for days. We could do um, a whole episode on the quantum stuff. I'm all about it. Can we? Because I, 
I'm also a science nerd. And like that to me is like, it just affirms like this feeling stuff that we have and this, these gut feelings or this like the way you can tell like someone's mood. You walk into rooms and you feel the difference of if people are in a good mood or in a healthy place or like you can tell, which is why we have these instincts that we need to listen to and honor. Um, and then the feeling part is so important because that's where the change really happens or is happening is like the emotions. Like it's not just actions, but it's action coupled with, I really feel this. I do feel confident. I feel love in my heart. I feel gratitude. I feel for, I feel powerful. Like all those things are so key. And so that's what I want to consistently like put out the universe for others. Cause I, I too know what it feels like to feel false when I do those affirmations. And then I know the difference of like what happens in my world when I do feel it, like when it, when it clicks and like, I was like, oh, there she is. Like, there I am. It yes. like changes, changes oh, it, everything. It does change everything. And it's like, I love Joe Dispenza. I know mm. that there's a lot of controversy around him, but I love him. I think he's helping so many people. Okay. And the way that they talk about how you have an elevated emotion with an intention and, and you connect to that every single day and you give yourself everything you want in your imagination and embody, embody, embody the person you want to be in order to receive everything that you want. But you, do, are you, do you fuck with the law of assumption? Yep. As well? Yes. And I do a hot girl walk almost every day Yes, yes. where I walk and in my imagination, I go, well, how would I walk if I was already happily married with my person? How would Mm. I feel if I already had the career of my dreams? How would I feel if I was like living everything I, I wanted to do and I wanted to be in this moment and I walk until I feel that. And then I, you know, and then I go home and I try to maintain that for as long as possible. But it is so interesting the way that your because it, it's not like what you're looking at. It's what you see, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what events happen in our lives. It's, it's all about how we decide to react to them. And if you're coming from a place of lack, then you're creating more lack. And so I, I love selecting the quantum reality that you want, walking with the wish fulfilled, assuming that you already are the person that has everything that they want and operating from that space. And sometimes, you know, people who are resistant are like, well, aren't you just being delusional? Like, and I'm like, yeah, but everyone is, you have to be delusional, like to get anything in this life. And like, I'm already like, what am I going to do? I spent 33 years being delusional that like, I'm hideous. I'm a horrible person. And that I don't deserve to be loved. And look where that's gotten me. So why don't, why don't I try 33 years of being absolutely delusional in the opposite way and seeing what manifests in my reality. And in the worst case scenario, if none of this works is that I'm just happy. Like, that oh oh no none, nothing I want <laughs> but I spent my life happy God forbid exactly oh, yeah. I love it and I love the idea do you do you listen to Abraham Hicks ever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's just like the very like very profound simple things of like the belief a belief is something that you just think over and over again you know yeah. like that's really what it is and when you can extract the simplicity of it the facts of it it's like okay yeah then what about what if I believed instead of that I'm worthless. And that whatever, right? All these like former beliefs that I had to excavate through therapy and through journaling and through all these different things and fighting and mistakes and relationships. What if this and that's what I'm using as like a gentle transition of like before I can go to the assumption, I'm kind of like trying to slow down my train and be like, okay, what if I could just wonder and entertain and imagine what if I was worthy of being loved? That helped me a lot in that transition place of kind of like jumping from I'm worthless to being like, I'm worth everything. 
there's these days, especially when PMSing, I'm in the in-between, you know, it's like a different, it's a different ride. And I would just at least wonder instead of deny it, instead of shutting it down. And it was like these really, really simple concepts of like, yeah, beliefs are things that you just think over and over again. Because if I think of all the things I believe now that I used to not believe even like five, 10 years ago, they're tremendous because I've grown and I've matured and I've experienced different things. And I used to believe, you know, like, oh, this person can never change or, oh, I believed that money was the root of all evil. I used to really believe that, right? Yeah. That belief has changed a lot. You know, I think money can reveal a lot of problematic things, but I don't think it's the root of all evil. I think money is a thing and a tool and people can be really evil and greedy and, and that people also can change. And so like really working with these simple concepts for me has changed. It's helped me a lot to give myself space and other people space to be different than what I have assumed and what I believed them to be. And that has helped me so much because it's just nothing so rigid anymore. Things are, are constant flux. And I also have the power to reframe my own beliefs saying, okay, if I'm going to be delusional and say, I'm going to have the next, you know, I love Oprah and I love what she's done in the generation that she came up in and the work that she did for the black community, for women, for like people everywhere with so much love, so much intention. I'm like, oh, I could do something like that. I could create, you know, I could help EP all these different films and movies. Like, why not be delusional? Like, I could totally do that. I could get investors. I could generate lots of profit, create great stories that make a great impact on the earth. And I can also do it while being a person of integrity and not being, you know, overly greedy that can leave something good in this world. That's something I want to believe. Like, is that delusional? Because everyone's like, oh, if you get money, you just automatically become a giant asshole. I'm Mm -hmm. like, no, that's a belief. That's something, if you believe that, you're just going to keep finding proof of it. I don't want to believe that. Money is just a current, and we've always had money, right? Before it was sheep. It was cheese. (laughs) It was like bricks and shit. Now it's like money is just a a method of exchange, just a tool, just like social media, just like the internet. They're just tools. And it's all about what you believe about their function and how you utilize them. Right. I I used to have, so I've always had the belief that I can generate money, like no problem. But I really found out in like these last four or five years that I had some subconscious beliefs that told me keeping money was and quote unquote hoarding money was bad. And so I would literally like accumulate a bunch of money. I didn't feel comfortable having it in my bank account. So I'd like blow it all on, you know, creative projects or doing these big, like fantastical, like art things that I wanted to do, which I'm grateful I did. There were wonderful learning experiences, but I was like, oh, but I don't like that I did it out of a belief that me having a bunch of money sitting in my bank account is me being greedy or it's wrong or it's it's not nice. Cause like it it would be nice. I was like, it would be nice to to have a safety net, to have security in that form. Mm-hmm. So that's something I had to really unlearn is the idea that like uh having all of that made me a bad person and made me like um someone who was somehow holding other people back. Yeah. Cause that's that that in terms of the the flow of abundance. I've really worked on like understanding what abundance mindsets means because I, like you was like, Oh, that means I have to spend it. Or like, I have to act like I have a million dollars, which means that doesn't mean actually go spend all of your money. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, it's the feeling of abundance. Yeah, like, oh, Learn that lesson. Eventually think like, Oh yeah, I can afford anything, but you definitely don't just actually go and buy everything. Exactly. I was like, well, 
tax write off. I don't know. Like I, it was, it was, it was touch and go because I, I came out of like being in debt so many times and then getting myself out of debt. But like, same like you, I was realizing my belief of like, oh, I don't know how to spend money. Well, I was like, I'm a great earner. I'm a bad spender. That was like a really big belief in my head. Mm, so that's interesting. And isn't it weird how you can like, like, cause you think you, you master one aspect of money and you're like, great. I'm good to go here. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. no, I've got a bunch of shit <laughs> underneath all of this that I got to get a hold of. Exactly. That's, I think the, the maturing process and hopefully like what you're doing with your content, what hopefully I can do with this podcast and with my relationships is like continuously be aware enough. And then also accepting enough to be like, all right, that's just where I'm at. And then, and it's like, whole yes, improv changed my freaking life. Like, I love it. I apply it so much. Yes, and yes, I have gotten better with money. Yes, and I have a ways to go. And I'm going to keep building and I'm going to make mistakes. And that's just part of it. That to me has been really helpful of just not overwhelming myself with like these grandiose expectations of like, I'm healed and I'm going to be from now on. Forevermore. I fixed it all. My life is done. Exactly. But again, it can be tough, but I just, yeah. And I, I, I love that you are so going through this, this experience and that you're doing it so openly with everybody and that you just take the time to chat with me about it. I feel, I feel very like light right now and yeah, just continuously encouraged because it is, it is a lot of work. I mean, a lot of work. It is. It is. Um, but, you know, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm very excited to continue our talks about the, the quantum field. After oh, this. please. I'm one. You th- yeah, we're doing that because <laughs> I want to know what you know. I like I'm sure you're definitely you are a person who like goes all in on something that you care about. So I'm definitely curious what you've hey, like. Share the info, girl. Yeah. I have three quick questions to sh- yeah, uh, I ask all my guests to wrap it up. Um, Anna, what are you grateful for today? Oh man, today I'm really grateful for my health. I, uh, you know, they say a, a healthy person has a million wishes, but a sick person only has one. And so I never try, I try to never take my health for granted. Awesome. So important. Um, what are you looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to my trip to Ireland. I go next Friday. And so Amazing. I will be in a bar drinking pints with my Irish friends. Lovely. I see. And hopefully not drunk calling you after. <laughs> well, you want to call me. I'm totally fine with that. But like, yeah, hopefully you're not calling me to yell at me like I would with my kangaroo wine. Oh, uh, <laughs> and uh, what are the final words that you want to leave with everyone tuning in today? Oh, man, I guess my final words would be like, go after your dreams because we're all going to die. Like you're going to die. So keep that in mind. Aptly put. Perfectly put. <laughs> <laughs> thank Ooh, you so much no it's it's true i mean we let's just like drop the truth bombs it's true and and poignant so thank you for that reminder thank you for having me i'm so grateful and uh yeah i will share all the links if you have anything um by the way anna that you want to share we i like put it in the description of all the different folks we've mentioned or resources would love to share yeah just but, like regular i don't know i'll just send like my instagram or something Okay. Otherwise, thank you for being a guest and yeah, have an amazing trip to Ireland. Thank you so much. Thanks.
Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All, the season three finale episode, Healing and Falling in Love with Yourself with Anna Kana. Anna, thank you so much for being such a fabulous guest and human being. And I hope you have a great time in Ireland and you drink lots of beer and disconnect and just do you. Uh, really excited for you. If you guys want to follow along with Anna's journey, you can go on her Instagram at Anna Kana. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to hop on over to your specific platform of choice and leave a five-star review. Uh, speaking of which, for season four, have not decided. It's a TBD situation on when season four will premiere. I'm going to take a tiny break um, because I know season three, it, it, we went through a lot to kind of get, get this one done. But i um, really excited for season four, excited for the guests, the conversations. And I'll do my very best to be here with you guys and just enjoy life as we can. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Honestly, I'm kind of losing brain cells at this moment because I've just been standing in my voice booth, which is at this point a little claustrophobic. And I'm just like, it's sweaty. Like, I feel like Steve Carell from Crazy Stupid Love where he's wearing all the layers of clothing and he's just like, it's just sweat. There's nothing under here but sweat. Just all the... All my clothes are sealing in the juices. That's how I feel right now. But anyway, I don't know if that was a TMI. I just thought I'd bring you into the moment with me. Um, yes, season four will be coming out. And uh, if you'd like to get get the, you know, real-time updates, obviously follow along on Instagram at First of All Pod. Uh, that's the channel's Instagram. You can follow along me with me on my personal page at Minjeezy. And there will be more announcements there. If you enjoyed the show, please, again, please leave a five-star review. Puts a smile on my face and my team's face. We all very much appreciate it because there's a lot of amazing hard work that goes into putting all of these together. Thank you to Marvin Yue, my engineer, my audio engineer, producer. Thank you to Priscilla Leanne Kim, a.k.a. Priska, who has been heaven sent and helping me finish out season three, while my other producer, Anna Sun, has become a new mama to baby number two, little Sammy. I hope you're having an amazing time with her. And thank you to Juliana Deer, my social media manager. I love all you guys. Thank you guys so much for keeping this going. We got season three in the can. I'm excited. And uh, if you'd like to say hi or share your healing journey, funny story, ask me some questions, feel free to email me, first of all, pod at gmail.com. And uh, thank you to my Patreon patrons who have been so incredible through all the years and have helped keep this podcast going. If you would like to support the podcast, go to firstofallpod.com. And there's links on how you can become a Patreon patron or just donate anything. Even well wishes are greatly appreciated. Our opening song was Uzu Trap by Uzuhan. And our closing song is his new song, Give Me the Word, which I am literally playing on repeat. This is why I sound so peppy right now. is because I've been listening to the song nonstop because I think it really encapsulates like my type of good vibes. Well, no, I have many, many times types. That's 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 not accurate. But one like it's like one of my top five good vibe vibes. Because like Beyonce, I mean, there's like so many other ways to have like that good vibe. But this is just feel good. It's dance. It's funky. It's it's joy. And I got to hang out with him this year in Atlanta. 
just catching up on Uzuhan's journey. Like he's such a James is such a great guy. He's such a committed artist, and we get to talk really deep about what it is to create and how to keep it authentic while also, you know, being part of that hustle because this is something that we do to sustain ourselves and something that we want to have the time and capacity to do on a long term basis. That takes a lot of a different kind of brain that sometimes can compromise the artistry. But this song, I think, is such a good, like, it's such good evidence of his essence. I hope you guys listen to it because I just, I'm obsessed with this song. I don't even say that term. I'm obsessed, but I'm, I'm, I'm really obsessed with this song because I just, it puts me automatically in a great mood and a great headspace. And I think that's the power of music. And that's what I want to leave with you as we close out season three. Thank you guys so much for being part of this journey, even if I may never meet you. Just, I believe that somewhere out there, our frequencies are are matching. And for the fact that you're willing to listen to my show up until even this point right now, it means a lot. I am very grateful for that. And I hope my biggest wish, my biggest intention is to leave something positive and something healing and something empowering with all of you through this show, through my voice, through this connection that we have right in this moment here. So you take care of yourself while I take a little break. I love you so much more than you may ever know. Um, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you guys. Bye. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper.